Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday night. Good morning, good evening, whatever it is to you. It's great you're here in the house of the Lord. Um, you could be a lot of other places, but you're here tonight. I'm here tonight. That, that's a good thing. Um, when I was young, I didn't really understand why you would go to church twice in a week. Uh, but as I get older and life's responsibilities just keep piling up, uh, I think maybe twice a week isn't enough sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> There's some weeks where I feel like I might as well just set up a tent downstairs and just stay here. Uh, and God would help me through that week if I did so. But uh, grab a Bible. We're going to be in the book of Acts tonight. I have a message I'd like to preach called Asleep at the Spiritual Wheel. We're going to talk about driving and a couple other things, but we're going to be in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. Sorry, I didn't specify the chapter. Acts chapter 20. And uh, if you don't know me, I, I have to say I'm really not qualified as a preacher or a pastor. I'm just, I'm just a man, uh, a man who's saved. Amen. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. Amen. Um, that's the best thing that ever happened to me was I got saved. Amen. But you don't want to hear from me. You want to, I, I say it all the time. You want to hear from God. Right. You want to hear from God's Word. Um, I'm up here with the King James Bible. It's a great thing. We're, we're going to preach out of God's Word tonight. You know, there's so many sources out there that you could turn to that aren't God's Word, and I don't know where they're going to lead you, but there's only one book that's going to lead you the right direction, Amen. right? You know, I, I was thinking... Um, people have so many questions about life and the universe and like where everything came from and how it all works. It's just because they're unsatisfied with the answer. If you don't like what this book tells you, then you're going to look until the end of the earth to try and figure out things and how it all came to be. You know, I need to know the last six million years, whatever, 6,000 years, 2,000 years. Listen, if you don't like the answer in this book, you're never going to be satisfied because you're never going to find an answer. You're just just going to keep looking. So I implore you, Listen to what God has for you. Listen to his truth. Accept his truth and just be at peace. You know how nice it is to not worry about things like that? <laughs> to just say, okay, this is what God says. That's the way it is. I'm done. Good enough for me. That's true peace. That's true peace. That's where you want to be. But I'm getting all sidetracked. All right, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Um, asleep at the spiritual wheel. I, I just want to think, and I want to start this message by giving you this. Um, you know, our life is a, a continual stream of blessings from God. I was thinking about that, and, and in the Psalms, actually, you don't have to flip there, but I'm just going to read you Psalm 145, verse 16. Psalm 145, 16. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. You see, our lives are a continual stream of blessings from God. You know, I don't wake up on January 1st and say, oh, I I hope God blesses me this year. I hope God blesses me and my family this year. Because God blessed me two minutes ago with a drink of water downstairs. God blesses me every time I eat, every time I sleep, every time I take a breath, every time I wake up and I'm healthy. That's a blessing from God. He's continually providing for us. Because if he stopped what he was doing, we'd all be done. We'd all be instantly undone. And it's very important, I think, to just focus in on that. Because you don't want to lose sight of the way that God has made this to work. 
if we run under our own strength, we'll assume that blessings are what we, you know, we have a hand in it. <laughs> we play a part in it. But no, God satisfies the desire of every living thing. So that means that, you know, if you read in the New Testament, when Jesus had a meal, when Jesus broke bread, what did he do every single time? He prayed. He thanked God for it. He thanked the Father because it was a blessing from heaven. Every single time he ate, meaning every single thing that we receive is a blessing from God, okay? And our lives, as we steer our lives, as we navigate, God gives us free will. We can steer our lives along with his will towards more blessings and a continual stream of them, or we can steer them off in the other direction where they're going to be fewer and further between. And I just want to say tonight that you need to be in control of the car. <laughs> you need to be at the wheel. You need to be awake at the wheel, not asleep. And we're going to find in Acts chapter 20 what happens if you fall asleep at the wheel. Amen? Okay. So Acts chapter 20, does everybody have it? Everybody's got it? Okay. We're going to start in verse 6. And this is, uh, Acts is right after um, the four Gospels. So after Christ died and rose again, and after Paul took it upon himself, after Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, Paul's running around all over, uh, starting up these little baby churches. That's what's happening mostly in the book of Acts. So we see here he's just on, a, on another journey from place to place, and there's this one chapter, Acts chapter 20, which jumps out at me, so we're going to read it. Uh, we'll start in verse 6. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them in Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. That means they were very comforted. Amen. Let's open in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the Bible you've given us. We thank you for all the messages therein. Uh, we thank you for your truth, Lord. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you've done for us and all the blessings you provide for us. Uh, Lord, we just pray tonight that we would hear from you, uh, that we would hear directly from your word, that you would speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, and give us a message, Lord, that uh, we can all benefit from and learn from. And just teach us, Lord. Teach us to walk in your ways. Teach us to drive and steer our lives in the ways that you would have us go, uh, that we may be better off for doing so, that we could be a benefit to you and your kingdom and to give you the honor and glory. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was shocked when I read this for the first time in the Bible, this story about Eutychus. Does anyone know this? Have you read this before, about Eutychus? And, and the first thing that, that occurred to me was I couldn't figure out, well, what, why is this in here? What, what, you know, there, nothing in here is, in, is on accident. Every single thing in here, there's, there's a purpose for it. Whether it's your favorite chapter, your favorite book, or whether it's a book that you can't stand. <laughs> there's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. And there's a purpose for this passage being in here about Eutychus. And at first I thought, my first thought was maybe God just has a, a sense of humor, you know? Because here we are in the year 2021. We have churches. We have pastors. We have preachers. Um, 
Have you ever fallen asleep during a service? Come on now. Come on now. Have you ever felt like falling asleep during a service? <laughs> Have you ever wondered if, uh, if you, you're ever going to hear the end of a sermon? Because it's, you know, usually this thing's wrapped up at 11.15 and it's uh, 11.45. We're still going. Uh, I've been through some long services. And thankfully at our church here, if you're watching online, our services aren't that long. They're about an hour 15, par for the course. Um, but honestly, why would God put this in here? It, it puzzled me because it, it makes it, it kind of gives like preachers a, a little bit of a break. Like, yeah, I cut them a little slack. Sometimes what they do is tough. And if you fall asleep, that's okay kind of thing. Like, I just wondered, is this part of God's sense of humor? Because obviously the, the man who fell here three stories, he died. But God brought him back, brought him right back. So it wasn't like a permanent thing, right? And I just wonder, you know, if God has a sense of humor, I, th- I think maybe he does. Because we do, right? We all do. Where does that come from? Well, God made us, so how could, how could we understand humor if God couldn't? Does that make sense? So because we understand humor, I think God must. Uh, my son, my two-year-old son, Toshi, he learned uh, within the last week, he learned what explosions are, and he learned the word boom. So <laughs> he has this fascination now of, you know, it used to be he would just play with his toys, but now he wants to blow up his toys. <laughs> so he'll take, uh, he'll take this, like, little toy helicopter that he's got, and he'll throw it, and when it hits the ground, he'll go, boom! You know, and we try to teach him that that's not the right way to play with a helicopter, but, yeah, he's, he's two. He's, he's going to figure it out. But I was just thinking, I was thinking about... Uh, you know, like the dinosaurs, right? Dinosaurs aren't running around out there today with humans, which is good. Um, but I wonder, you know, I don't know the exact timeline of stuff, and I'm not going to get into all that, but, like, to me, there's a reason that God made it so that humans and dinosaurs are living at separate times. You know, did, did God want, did God have, like, an urge to see dinosaurs fight? And he just wanted to see, like, Tyrannosaurus Rex and Velociraptors going at it just because it was exciting and entertaining? Is that why he made the dinosaurs? Just to get that urge out of him? And then he blew him up and said, boom. And then he brought in humanity and everything else. He's like, okay, now let's get down to business about saving the world. I don't know. M- maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But I, I just wonder at the mind of God sometimes. And as I read this passage and as I just kind of focused in on it because I wondered why God wanted me to talk about it tonight, I realized that this, this goes far, far, far beyond humor. I mean, I could stand up here and joke about it for half an hour, but that wouldn't be beneficial to anyone. That wouldn't be beneficial to God. That wouldn't be reverence to his word. Uh, it wouldn't be a lot of things. So we need to talk about your spiritual walk with the Lord. And I want to start by, let, let's examine this case a little bit here. Let's examine Eutychus, because this is Paul. Uh, this was the last night before Paul was to leave to go to another place. So if you think about it, if Paul came into town, you know, that's kind of like a revival service. Hey, Paul's coming to our church. He's going to be here seven days. That's a revival. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing that we do when Brother Thren comes in. Uh, or we bring in another preacher or pastor. And Eutychus here was here on the last day, the last night of preaching. Now, did he go throughout the week? Did he go and attend other sermons from Paul, maybe? Uh, I'd like to think he did, but he was definitely there for the last one. And he was up here in a window. So, to me, it, it seems like Eutychus was faithful, right? Because he was where he was supposed to be. He was with the Christian brothers. He was listening to a sermon. He was listening to preaching. He was where he was supposed to be. I mean, if, if you're going to have a walk with the Lord, he was in the right place for that, right? He was going to church. He wasn't just at home. He could have stayed home that night. He was at church. Um, he inconvenienced his flesh to listen to preaching. 
So even though the service was late, he was still there. Even though this thing was going until midnight, he was still there. I mean, he could have been tired. He, I'm sure he probably would have sl- rather slept in his own bed and slept in a windowsill, right? But he was there. He was doing what, what he thought he should do. And he chose his spiritual well-being over his physical well-being. So even though he was tired, even though he was probably hungry, even though he had a lot of needs that night, he was in church to listen to the word. And there's days where maybe we don't feel like being here. There's days where maybe we don't feel like we can make it. There's days where maybe we feel like we just need the night off. But are we going to be better off if we come? Absolutely. And is that just a test from God to see if you're willing to put yourself out there? Are you going to regret it more if you stay home? I think God will make sure of that somehow, some way. Um, as you walk with the Lord, if you start coming to church every week and it's just an automatic thing, if you miss a service, you're going to feel pretty bad about it. You're going to feel kind of guilty about it. Um, Pastor Phil, it, 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 you know what it takes to keep him out of a service? I'm not sure. It's never happened. <laughs> well, the one time he was extremely sick and we had COVID and the, the pandemic shut everything down. But he, he was right there watching the live stream. I know it, you know. But for us to obey God, it's like we're, we're giving ourselves to God piece by piece. I'm taking an inch off here, a little piece here, I'm giving it to God. And we don't expect to get it back because we're not. We're giving it to God so that he can do with what he's going to do with it. You know, if you're, if you're like this big ball of clay and you give God a little piece at a time, he's going to form it the way he wants and then put it back on you. And it's not our place to, to tell him how to do it. Our place is just to obey and to give him pieces of our lives, right? Every time you come to church, you're giving God a little piece of your life, a little piece of time. One thing that's really benefited me, and I think we should all do this. If you don't, you really should. Um, have you ever thought about keeping a journal? You know, I know reading your Bible is important. I know praying is important. Have you ever thought about keeping a journal? You know, when you get home from service, you jot down three things I want to remember from today's service. You know, if you did that every day, if you did that after every service, how many more sermons would you remember? Amen. I have two journals. I have one for just Bible verses that I like, and I have another one for uh, testimonies. And I try and write in that one at least once a month, you know, hopefully two or three times a month if I can. But just when I see God do something amazing in my life, when I see him kind of part the Red Sea for me and make a way for me, whatever that is, whatever that looks like that day, that situation, I jot it down. Because I, I don't want to forget about that. I don't want to lose it. And I know my mind. If I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. And the older I get, the more I'm going to forget it. The easier it is to forget it. So I would really, really recommend uh, keeping a, a place for your thoughts to improve your walk with God. So Eutychus here, he's in the right place. He's at Paul's service. But as I read this, I don't think things are quite what they seem here. I think Eutychus really is not, he's not walking with the Lord the way that he should. Now a little bit, a bit of this might be my inference into the passage here, but let's, let's, take, a, let's take a look at a couple of facts. So Eutychus was at the service but he carried himself in a position of serious vulnerability. He put himself in an extremely vulnerable spot. He sat in a windowsill. Would you normally sit on the third story windowsill? Is that really the best spot you could find? I'm gonna say no. The Bible doesn't say the room was packed. I'm sure there was a lot of people there. It says they were gathered together in verse eight. There were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. It doesn't say how full the room was. So to me, could Eutychus have found a better seat 
<laughs> Maybe in the front row, second row, third row, somewhere in the, on the floor. I think he could have. I think he could have found a way. But he was in a windowsill. And why would he choose to put himself on a windowsill purposefully? Well, I think it's, A, it's risky. Two, I think it's, B, it's arrogant. It's arrogant. Because he's putting himself in a position where he's opening himself to distractions. So I have all, all over here, I have the service going on, I have Paul, the Apostle Paul preaching. Okay? Why am I sitting in a windowsill over here? I can think of two reasons. Either A, I want to keep looking out the window, I want to see what's going on on the street. Maybe there was something going on that night, I don't know. Or secondly, maybe I want people to see me from the street. Maybe I want people to see me in the window. Maybe I want people to see that I'm in church. I'm here at the service. You know, look at me, I'm Eutychus, I'm in a windowsill. Either way, are those good reasons? What's the motivation? Either, either motivation is bad. Either I want to distract myself from the service that's going on, or I want to just appear like I'm in church. You know, my walk with God isn't as important as appearing to walk with God. And we fall, we fall into that too, don't we, sometimes? You know, there was a group of people that fell into that in the times of Christ, the Pharisees. Did they care about walking with God? Or did they just care that everyone perceived them to be walking with God? That's what they wanted. They wanted everyone to think, oh, those are the Pharisees. They're righteous. They're holy. You know, I want to be like them. They're my role model. Because that, was, that puffed up their pride. That was egotistical. And for Eutychus, I don't know if that's his motivation here, but I have to think it's possible. I can't think of another reason why I would sit in a window, especially on the third story. So, his walk with the Lord was lacking because he was distracted. In other words, we know he fell asleep, but I want to say even before he fell asleep, he was asleep at his spiritual wheel. His walk with God, he was not focused in on what he was doing. He wasn't. He was going through the motions, going to service, doing the God thing. But there was a problem. Something was missing. And that something was missing was him being awake at the wheel. So I want to relate this to driving a car. Raise your hand if you have a driver's license. Raise your hand if you're going to have one someday. <laughs> okay. So all of us are going to, are going to drive cars. Good. Uh, you know, I don't think we're at the point yet where they're going to take cars away from us. We're still going to be driving, even with self-driving this, self-driving that. Uh, drone taxis, I heard about. I don't know what's coming down the pipeline, but for the foreseeable future, we're still going to be driving. Um, a few years ago, I was headed out to Wisconsin, and I was driving up on, uh, I think, Route 80. So we went north on the Blue Route, took a left on Route 80 to head out towards, uh, like, Chicago, Wisconsin. Really scenic, beautiful drive. And I was in uh, a Subaru Ascent, which is a, a nice car, one of the perks of the job. I was driving a nice Subaru SUV. And this thing has some new features that like old cars didn't have, and maybe your current car doesn't, but your next one might. Uh, it had the feature where it's got the, the speed sensing cruise control. So instead of, instead of setting cruise control to 70 miles per hour, you tell it how far you want to stay from the car in front of you. So you say, okay, I, I want to stay 80 feet from the car in front of me. It'll match that car's speed. That car speeds up, you speed up. That car slows down, you slow down. So you literally don't have to use the gas pedal. Regular cruise control, if you set it for 70 and you, you come riding up on someone going 55, like a bonehead in Philly, 
you got to slam on the brakes or else you're going to hit them. But with this new cruise control, you don't have to do that because your car will just modulate its speed to, to, to match the car ahead of it. And the other thing it did is it keeps you centered in the lane. So if you veer off toward like the left of the lane or the right of the lane, it, it nudges the steering wheel for you. And it, it's cool because if you take your hands off the wheel, you can see it do it. And my wife, she probably had a, a heart attack because <laughs> I kept showing off. I'm like, oh, look, it's doing it. You know, meanwhile, we're, we're almost riding in the median, but it's correcting itself. But I thought it was really cool. And you know what happened? On that drive, I just found myself staring out the window. I'm like, well, I don't need to use the gas pedal. I don't need to steer. Do I really need to be in the car right now? <laughs> Will it just go the way it's supposed to go? And I was just staring out the window watching the scenery. And I want to say in this day and age, in our spiritual drive with God, in our, in our quest to get to the destination that God has for us as we're driving that car and Christ is sitting in that passenger seat guiding us and leading us, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get off course. It's so easy to lose focus of the road and where we're supposed to be going. And God wants us to stay focused. You know, Tesla has self-driving mode now. There's a video, tons of videos. Someone in California was put their Tesla on autopilot and just fell asleep at the wheel. And the cops pulled up next to him, and they're filming him in the car because he's just knocked back sleeping. The car's just driving itself, and he's asleep at the wheel. Now, is that safe? Well, only if you trust your car. And the world wants to make it so easy for us to fall asleep at the spiritual wheel because the world doesn't want us to have a walk with God. The world, wants us, the world doesn't want us to be in church tonight. That's right. They want us to be glued to Netflix. They want us to be glued to all these things. They want us to be murmuring and complaining and drinking and partying and reveling. That's what they want us to do. So just us being here is an affront to them. And the further we get in society, the more and more and more weapons the world develops to pull us away from a spiritual walk. It's easier than ever to fall asleep in your walk with God. It is easier than ever. And I have bad news, it's going to get even easier. Okay? Because all these things about cars being able to self-drive and this and that, it's only going to get worse. And there was one night, I worked night times. Um, I was headed into work. And as I was getting used to the sleep schedule, it, some nights it, it would make me really tired. You know, I would, I would go in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And the nice thing is there's nobody on the road. Um, but if you're tired... Driving tired is so dangerous, isn't it? It is literally, they say it's even more dangerous than driving intoxicated. Uh, I remember being asleep at a stoplight. I came up to a red light. I'm just waiting for it to change so I can turn. And you know what happened? I don't remember falling asleep. I remember waking up because the car stopped itself. So the car, I fell asleep. My foot came off the brake. The car started rolling forward into the car ahead of me. And as it was about a foot from the bumper, it slammed on the brakes and brought me to a halt. And that's what woke me up. That's what jolted me awake. And that was scary. Now, I was only rolling, you know, going a couple miles an hour. But I fell asleep in the car. You don't want to do that. We need to take the right precautions in our walk with, with the Lord to make sure that we don't fall asleep at the wheel. You know, in a given year, there's about 72,000 accidents caused by people falling asleep in this country at the wheel. And about 6,000 of those proved to be fatal. Yeah, that's people losing their lives because of this. We really need, we really need to keep our focus. We really need to let God help us. Because when the world wants to distract you and make you fall asleep at the wheel, rub your back and just 
make you comfortable, make you forget about the Bible, make you forget about your prayer life, when the world's really trying to get you out of that realm and just make you fall asleep, it's harder than ever to stay awake. Have you ever tried to stay awake in the car when you're tired, but you had to keep going? Have you done like the slap myself thing or the, the cold water on my face thing or let me just drink a soda, drink a coffee? Listen, if you get tired enough driving, all the coffee in the world won't keep you awake. It won't. You are putting yourself in a very rough position. And we, we've been there. We know what that feels like. But like Eutychus here was it put himself in a vulnerable spot. We need to identify when we're about to do that and then change course. So if I'm driving down the road and I know I'm tired, I need to pull over. I need to let God take the wheel. I need to find a rest stop. You know, when I need to sleep, let me sleep in a position where I'm not going to be vulnerable. Let me sleep in my, in my bed at home. <laughs> That's where I should be sleeping. Let me not sleep in the car. When I'm driving, moving for the Lord, let me be focused on what I'm doing. So, bringing this back to Eutychus, as he falls out of the window, three stories. Let's pick it up in verse, verse 9. He sat in the window. As Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. So he put himself in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. He fell asleep. He fell out of the window, three stories onto the ground into the street, and he died. Verse 10, Paul went down and fell on him, embracing him, and he said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. God gave Eutychus a second chance, didn't he? God gave him a second chance. Even though he made the mistake of putting himself in this bad position, even though he made the mistake of letting his walk with God get the better of him and not being serious about it, even though it cost him his life, God gave him a second chance. And all of us, we all cost, our, we, we cost ourselves our own lives a long time ago when we sinned for the first time. Because once you sin for the first time, that's it. <laughs> you can't match the righteousness of God or Christ. You're done. We need a second chance. All human beings need a second chance because we need God to forgive us and lift us up to eternity. We need God to lift us up to eternal life through salvation. Salvation is that second chance. And Eutychus was given it here. All of us in this room, I believe we're saved. We've been given that chance. You know, the rest of the world needs that chance. God is depending on us to walk in such a way that we can further his kingdom. You know, if I'm thinking about my walk with the Lord, I'm thinking about reading my Bible, I'm thinking about praying, I'm thinking about opportunities to minister, you know, witnessing to others, being here, being involved in the church. You know, those are three great ways that I can, I can be involved in a, in a walk with God. How many ways can I not be involved in a walk with God? How many things can I do that will take me away from a walk with God? Well, I'm not going to name them all, but we would be here all night. <laughs> it's, it's unlimited. Uh, is there anything else I can do besides reading my Bible, praying, or working for the kingdom through ministry or witnessing that's beneficial to God? I don't think so. And uh, you know what I'm guilty of? I'm guilty of being like Eutychus here. I'm guilty of putting myself in a bad position sometimes. And my walk with the Lord isn't as focused as it should be. You know, sometimes I fall asleep at the spiritual wheel. And just like that night where the car stopped itself and it woke me back up, there's times where God has to wake me back up of what I'm falling into before it's too late. And that's how good he is. And he will continually do that in your life. He'll bring you out. 
But I just want to think, you know, if all of us moved for God with all the fervor and gusto that we could, how much more could he do with our lives? Okay? Like, we all have different circumstances. We all have different situations. We all get saved at different points in life. Some of us might get saved at a very young age. Some of us get, might get saved right in the middle. Some of us might get saved at, a, at an older age. Is it ever too late for God? No. God is always ready to do what he wants to do. Okay? Listen. On the turnpike on my, on my drive here, uh, I, I, I outran a Mustang in my Subaru Outback. But I'm pretty sure, and this might be just like a Philly thing, but I'm pretty sure I could drive 100 miles per hour on the turnpike every day for six months and I wouldn't get a ticket. And in fact, I would just be like everyone else that drives on the turnpike. Uh, it's kind of crazy because where I'm from on the West Coast, oh, you'd, you'd probably be in jail <laughs> if you're driving the way everyone in Philly drives on the turnpike. But listen, like, even though I'm driving a Subaru Outback and there's someone in a BMW or someone in this car or that car, listen, you give me an engine and four wheels and a gas pedal, I'll figure out how to go 85 miles an hour. I can figure out how to do it. And just like, just like that, God wants you to go full speed with the life he's given you, okay? You, you have a life that you can use for God. You can put along at 10 miles an hour. You can put along at 15 miles an hour. You can put along at 25. You know, if you're moving for God, if you're moving in the right direction, that's good. You're going where he wants you to go. But don't you know that he can get you there faster if you're willing? Don't you know that he will get you there faster if you put more effort in? So instead of me going 10 or 15 or 25, if I go 80, can I get where God wants me to go even faster? Yeah, I can. Does God put speed limits on walking with him, driving with him? I don't think so. Is there anything that would stop you from giving 100% of your time to God? Only yourself. Only, you know, what the world would, would tell you you can't do. And that, now that, that's, I don't want to say that we need to just give up everything and just... <laughs> flip on a dime and go the other way. Because listen, we all have families, careers, lives. we have things that, that kind of anchor us down and we have responsibilities. I'm not saying run away from those and go be a missionary to another country. Now you could do that, but maybe we try and just go a little bit faster for God. Maybe we try and just go a little bit more fervently for God because he'll use whatever you give him. There's a, there's a racetrack in Germany called the Nürburgring the Nürburgring, it's a, like a 13-mile racetrack in Germany. And it's open to the public. And um, the fastest race cars will go around it in like six, seven minutes. Now, that's 13 miles. That, that gives you an average speed of like 130 around a racetrack. And it's not, this isn't a NASCAR track. It's got turns, it's got loopbacks, it's got switchbacks, it's got the whole nine. Hills, elevation changes. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman, they called her the queen of the Nürburgring. She used to drive a taxi. So if you wanted to go on this highway or this, this racetrack, but you didn't want to drive yourself because you were scared, you could, you could pay someone to drive you around it in a sports car. And they would drive you around it and you'd do your lap. Well, she was so good at driving this track because she did it for a living. Uh, the Motor Trend, I think Motor Trend, or uh, the, one of the UK um, car publications got a hold of her and they gave her a cargo van. Not, not that different from the, the cargo van we have for the church, like the church van. And they said, we want to see how fast you can go around the track in this thing. And they gave her this dinky little cargo van. Don't you know she was passing sports cars? She was passing Porsches. She was passing Ferraris. She was passing BMWs in this cargo van. And you know what it was? Because she was a good driver. She had the, the ability as the driver, the experience, to go that fast at that speed. It didn't matter what she had. If they had given her a sports car, she could have gone even faster. But she made the most out of what she had. When she got back from that lap, 13 miles, the brakes on that thing were cooked. 
they were 100% done. Like that thing couldn't even stop at, at the end of the lap because she was eating it up, right? And she was going full speed, full throttle. Now what if we would go full throttle? So forget about being asleep at the wheel. What if we dial in? What if we focus? What if we go full speed for God? What if we go 100 miles an hour for God? What does that look like? You know, maybe I'm going 20 today. Hey, how do I get to 25? How do I get to 30? How do I get to 35? What, what one thing can I take up on my walk with the Lord that he can use me for even more if I give it to him? You know, just like the example of that ball of clay, right? If I'm this ball of clay and God wants to mold me and make me, but I'm resistant and I don't want to give him any pieces of me, well, he'll wait. <laughs> he'll wait until I'm willing. But if I give him whole chunks, like, here, God, here's my leg. Just whoop, take it, do something with it, make it better. He'll use whatever we give him. He will. And Eutychus here, if he had been right front and center, could he have paid even more attention to the message? Could he have turned himself into a preacher like Paul? I mean, you never hear about him anywhere else in the Bible. Maybe he could have been an apostle one day. I mean, I don't know, you know? But the next great evangelist could be sitting in this room, could be watching online. We don't know unless we give God the ability to do it. If we give God the opportunity to take our lives, take the reins and, and run with it, then he'll do amazing things. But it starts with a willingness. And as we're driving, as we're moving for the Lord, let's just figure out how to dial up the speed a little bit. You know, going from 25 to 30, does that mean I'm going to read a little bit more Bible every day this week? Does it mean I'm going to set aside a little bit more prayer time? Does it mean I'm going to set aside uh, time for a devotional? Does it mean I'm going to start a journal and I'm going to write down testimonies? Does it mean I'm going to start a journal and I'm going to write down my favorite Bible verses? I don't know what it is, but I can tell you, the more you surround yourself and your mind and your soul with the things of God, the more He will do with your life. The more He will change you, the more He will sanctify you. You know, I don't want to be who I was five years ago. I don't want to be who I was ten years ago. I want to be who God wants me to be in the next five years. I want to be who God wants to make me. That's who I want to be. And God will do that as fast as I will let him do that. So let's think about this. And let's just, let's take our walk and our drive with God seriously. Um, I don't know what the future holds. I don't. I know Christ is coming back one day. I don't know when. <laughs> don't ask me when because I can't tell you. I know that he is and that's good enough for me. The longer he's delaying that, the more people that can be saved. That's kind of the way I look at it. And he's got his reasons. But this world, this world, if we don't do something, this world is going to get worse and worse and worse, and we see that. And even if we do everything we can, it's still going to get worse. And listen, we have an opportunity right now where we can give ourselves, we can devote ourselves to a life with God. We can devote ourselves to going full speed for God. Who's not going to be able to do that? It could be our kids. It could be our grandkids. You know, who is it that's going to be persecuted for their faith in this country? We're not. You know, you, you might feel like you, you have some flack, you catch a little bit of fire here and there. It's nothing. We're not pulled out into the streets and condemned. We don't have Bibles being burned at the stake. We don't have people being thrown in jail for what they believe. We don't have people being told to denounce Christ or die. We don't have persecution like that. But is it coming? You know, our kids, our grandkids, their grandkids, I think it's coming. You're going to see a day and age where it is not okay, where it is not okay to stand on the morality of this Bible. You're going to see a time where it's not. And that's what the world's going to say. 
And we need to be strong. Because listen, as you drive down that road, your walk with the Lord, as you're driving down the road, okay, Christ is in the, in the passenger seat guiding you. You know who's in the back seat? Your friends, your family, your kids. More people depend on your spiritual walk than just you. A lot more people depend on your spiritual walk than just you. And you may not even see the influence that you have. You know what? When I watch my little son, and he's two years old, and he's paying attention, he is focused. When I'm talking, when I'm saying things, when I'm doing things, he is watching everything I do. And I don't have to just wait until he mimics me, which, <laughs> which he does. But you watch, watch a little kid. Watch a little, a little baby, a little boy, a little girl. When they're watching their mom, their dad, they are watching. And they are paying serious attention. So if you think you don't have influence on the younger generations, get that out of your head right now because you have all the influence. And we need to be role models. How can they, expect, how can they be expected to walk with the Lord if they don't see us do it? How can they be expected to move, to, to base their whole lives around God if they don't see us doing it? It's easier for a younger generation to find faults in us than to give us a little, a little slack. <laughs> it's easier for kids to be more critical of their parents than it is for them to understand how tough it is to be a parent, right? But we have an opportunity here. And I find that I'm... God's showing me little by little how to kind of increase my speed as I'm driving at the wheel. I just got to keep myself from falling asleep. I got to keep myself from distractions. If I see things creeping up into my life that are taken away from my Bible time, my prayer time, I, I got to get rid of them. Throw them out. Throw them out. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. Pastor Phil talks about throwing computers out of the top story window. Uh, there's all sorts of things you can do. I'm just saying, only you know your walk with God, you and God. So focus on how you can just get a little bit more of that speed and stay on the right path. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us, and you're, you're such a forgiving God. Lord, we thank you for the story of Eutychus, uh, this passage in Scripture. Lord, we thank you that you gave him the second chance. And we thank you, Lord, that you raised him up again uh, to change his ways and to take his walk with you more seriously, Lord. Now, wherever we stand in this room, maybe some of us um, are, are walking strong with you, Lord. Maybe we feel that we've really got our feet planted and we're moving full speed for you. Others of us, Lord, maybe we feel like there's more that we could do. Lord, could you just show us? Could you just in the days, weeks, months to come, could you show us how we can walk more with you, how we can give a little bit more of our lives to you, how we can break off little pieces of ourselves and give them to you, Lord, that you could shape them and mold them and little by little just turn us into who you want us to be. Lord, we just, we honor you. We thank you. I love you for this church you've given us, for this gathering that we're able to have, that we have a place where we can worship, Lord, that's safe, that we can believe what we believe, Lord, without fear of persecution. But Lord, if that day comes, please strengthen us. Build up our faith that we can withstand in that day and not waver. And Lord, I just pray that you would raise up strong evangelists, uh, strong leaders, uh, strong witnesses, Lord, in this church. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, that as the days and years go by, I pray that you would find new, new ways to use us, Lord, that you could use us more for your, for your kingdom, that you could use us more to honor you, use us more to glorify you, use us more in service, Lord, to show us the way that we can drive and steer our lives in the direction that you want us to go. And I thank you for uh, saving us, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross 
and paying the penalty for our sins that we could have salvation and another chance. And thank you for eternal life, Lord. It's the best thing that you've ever given us. And uh, we dedicate this night and this fellowship to you. And we thank you for this time. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lay aside every weight which doth easily beset you. The sin that surrounds you. Lay them aside. You can cover some ground for Christ. Accomplish some big things for the Lord. I do I, you could pray everyone can pray whether you're crippled whether you're sick you could pray you can get close to the Lord read your Bible pray you can witness everybody has someone they talk to whether it be somebody that calls on the phone friends, family. trust and obey. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob, for that. That was, uh, I'll tell you what, that message was for me. Amen. And the Lord knows how to speak to his church. And thank God uh, for that message. Uh, I know everybody was blessed by that one. Amen. Um, Brother Tom, would you uh, come up here, close some prayer? Also, uh, we have chilly night tonight. Amen. Uh, Brother Paul made uh, his famous chili, champion prize chili of Georgia, something like that, at least of Gospel Light Baptist Church. Amen. All right, Brother Tom, would you ask uh, God's blessing on the food? And uh, thank God for that message, that Lord will continue that message in our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Father, thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray, thank you for the food that you provided. Bless the hands that prepared it. Bless this fellowship tonight, Father, and get us all home safely. We'll give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.